Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about soul families. Could you please tell me, what is a soul family? A soul family is one way to describe a set of beings that have the closest vibration to you. or And by vibration, I mean original vibration to you. So what is original vibration? Um, at one point in time, as the universe was created and everything in the universe was created as source energies, masculine, feminine, were spiraling um, through the experience of forming everything that is in the universe. Um, certain souls, if you will, right? Uh, were birthed in clusters. Uh, what defined those clusters were vibrations. So if you think about the energies of creation, right, as a spiraling movement or any movement, it doesn't really matter that, you know, it was a spiral. Um, that movement existed in, in... So it basically just went through different vibrations, if that makes any sense, right? Mm -hmm. So if you imagine everything like the whole fabric of the universe you could think of everything that is in the universe as having a range of different vibrations spanning from zero to a hundred if you will or from um red to violet if if we're looking at, at like the rainbow as as an analogy for everything alpha through omega um and as you go from zero to a hundred from A to Z, you pass through a lot of different emanations. You pass through a lot of different vibes and frequencies, right? From love to purity to truth and everything in between, um, all different being and feeling frequencies. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, you know, as everything in the universe, as the souls were created, they were all created as you know, or different souls were created belonging to a different frequency range by definition, right? So not all quote-unquote young souls are created equal, you know, because in the great dance of spiral, uh, nothing is ever the same, right? So um, you know how they say you can walk into the same water twice because it's not the same you and it's not the same water? Hmm. So it's kind of similar to the process of creation because as this great spiral happens and, and, and the two primordial energies the divine masculine and the divine feminine come together to form everything that is in the universe they cannot walk in the same water twice because the dynamics of everything that they're creating is ever changing it's ever shifting such is the energy the energy is not static right so there are two states of energy the static which is arguably prior to the process of creation and then dynamic when everything is moving so basically, that being said, as everything is moving in the universe and the universe is constantly expanding, there are new souls being birthed all the time. And so a soul family is a particular cluster that was created um, right around the same moment as one another, whereas it's defined by the same frequency and the same emanation. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the entirety of existence, there's a little bit of everything in the universe. And so beings that are closest to you in terms of who they are um, or who they were created originally would be considered your soul family. 
Interesting. And uh, how how big are these clusters? So it actually does depend. Um, it depends on the speed of vibration. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going too complex for you. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of confusion with this. So as the spiraling movement happens from source energy, sometimes it moves a little slower and sometimes it moves a little faster. Depending on the speed, these this source energy is either going to bypass that one frequency quicker or it's going to bypass it slower right imagine yeah. imagine like um there was a disco ball imagine that everything in creation is a disco ball with like a bunch of like little uh, mirror like surfaces like cells almost like in a beehive mm -hmm. and so Every type of frequency is one cell, right? So as source creates the universe, it creates kind of like one cell at a time. But at soul level, this one cell is going to contain more than one soul. Yeah. And it's almost like a group of souls is going to join their hands together to become this one cell of the great cosmic body. And the reason that they would form one cell is because their original vibrations, original meaning at the time of creation, are incredibly, incredibly close to one another. They're literally cut from the same cloth, right? Think of the process of creation as cloth cutting, which is actually a really close analogy. There's like, um, you know, a, a, like a cloth or a fabric, and it gets divided into pieces as uh, souls get created. So, you know, the, the, the same frequency type beings that would later form, form a soul family are going to be um, cut from the same type of fabric, from the same type of frequencies. Mm -hmm. Now, so what, when you're asking me how big are those, it actually really depends on the speed with which um, the source energy was creating at the time. Soul families range from, um, the smallest soul family would probably be four. That's the smallest that I've experienced, just four souls. And the largest soul family can be up to 500. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. A big family. Yeah. And so uh, from your perspective, right, or from, uh, should I say, from the perspective of the individual soul, it really feels like the closest knit relationships you could only imagine, right? Mm -hmm. Because these beings were taken out of the same energies as you were, you experience a complete level of bonding with them a really deep level of understanding of who they are and their path and a sense of unconditional love, even more so that you would experience with other souls. So it's a very, very special bond that is formed between souls that, you know, could be equivalent to a familial bond that you're experiencing in third dimensional reality. If only it wasn't for the shadow aspect of the family life that you guys are going through right mm -hmm. so if you can imagine the most idealistic familial relationship where um everybody gets along and everybody really makes each other stronger as opposed to tearing each other down that would be an equivalent of what it feels like at soul level to have a family so in the soul sis uh, family um is everybody like a brother and a sister yes or, yeah yes that's how they refer to each other uh-huh Interesting. And uh, what about um, a twin flame and uh, a soulmate? Because these things sometimes used interchangeably. Is it part of the family or it's very different? Oh, God, we're what getting into uh, not a very easy, not a very fast territory. I'm going to respond, but um, just know that there's a lot of confusion around a lot of these topics. Mm -hmm. So... A twin flame is a very new age concept. Um, so let's go with it. Although I don't particularly love this terminology. Um, the twin flame in the way that you would look um, 
you know, so like the way the way humanity perceives twin flames versus how a lot of other higher dimensional beings in the universe perceive twin flames is a little bit different. Um, here in this dimension, um, twin flame is perceived as, in many ways, the same thing as a soulmate, right? Which is like that one soul, more often than not, of the opposite gender, although, you know, there are exceptions to every rule, who is like the perfect match for you romantically. That is what what's considered to be like a twin flame. Now, from the soul perspective, you know, there is one being in all of creation that is your closest being. You're like two peas in a pod. Um, it is true and it does exist. So this closest being is literally like your, uh, your, 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 your copy in, in some ways, like it, that being really truly completes you at soul level. And if, you know, you didn't have any other family, but you had that one being, you would still feel complete and you would feel wholly understood and you would feel stronger. So that closeness really exists and it emanates the same feeling and the same relationship as the original couple. And from the cosmic perspective, the original couple is the divine feminine and divine, divine masculine aspects, right? Yeah. So because initially there was just one being that chose to split itself into two, divine masculine, divine feminine, as it started creating everything in the universe, it wanted every soul to experience the same level of connection and the same level of divine coupling that these two original beings had they truly have a very special relationship uh, a relationship that feels all-encompassing and fully um nurturing and so that is why um souls tend to come in pairs it's technically not the same soul that is split into two uh it's two different entities However, they're so close to one another in, in their original emanations that sometimes it feels like it's one soul and two bodies because they're just that almost like identical, right? But they tend to also live in polarities. So they tend to exhibit different aspects of creation at any point in time. So if one of the flames choose to take on the feminine aspects, the other one tends to take on the masculine aspects temporarily and then they flip. So that's how that relationship works. Soulmates is where a lot of confusion stems um, stems from on, on this plane. Soulmates are incredibly misunderstood. Um, a soulmate over here is perceived as like, again, like a romantic partner that's the one for you right? Which is a very limiting way to look at soulmates. Incredibly limiting. Because there are at any point in time, more than one soulmates for you. And by the way, not all of them are romantic relations. The right way to think of soulmates is somebody who is close to you at a soul level, right? Somebody who quote unquote, your soul knows. So somebody uh, that you have, it, it all stands to be somebody that you have pre-planned on meeting in this lifetime. So technically speaking, you can have more than one soulmates in one incarnation. Some of them could be romantic. You could have a soulmate that would come to you in a form of a parent or a child. You know, you could have a soulmate that's your best friend or just a good friend. You could have a soulmate who's a teacher etc etc like it's really uh the the options are limitless mm -hmm. and there are many ways how a soulmate could like who could be construed to be a soulmate i'll just give you a couple of examples right so somebody who is a part of your um soul family but who is not your let's call it twin flame right would be your soulmate um another could be somebody who is not immediately related to your soul level but somebody who you have had many 
incarnations with and very uh, deep relationships uh, with throughout the course of time in the course of samsara. And as part of that, you have a lot of collective karma. So if you've had all of these collective karma, positive, negative, or something in between, doesn't really matter. When they would come over um, into this life with you, and if you're meant to have another close relationship with, with them, they can be very much considered your soulmate because of the closeness that your souls have through the virtue of having common experiences. Hmm. Right? Makes sense. Yeah. So soulmate is a very all-encompassing concept. Yeah. Also, very often, um, if you're on a common mission, if there is like one mission that multiple souls are united by, and it uh, by multiple, I mean really any number of souls. It could be two, it could be a thousand. They could still be considered soulmates or soul brother or soul sister because they're united by like a greater mission, bigger mission. And that makes up for soul recognition when they're here. But your twin flame is always part of the family. You mean your soul family? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, you always have that one soul that is like the spitting image of you um, that is experiencing another polarity as mm -hmm. it relates to masculine versus feminine. Yes. Got and it. that soul is always part of your um, part of your circle. Uh -huh. Okay. And uh, how often do you incarnate together with your soul family? Oh, it really depends. Um, it really depends. Um, there is no, there is no like normal way of doing it, honestly, because that really depends on the, so here's how soul families work. Maybe that'll help you understand. Uh -huh. So within the soul family, you have one collective mission and you have each of your individual paths as well. The collective mission of the soul family is an ever living, breathing thing, right? So once you collectively hit a mission, um, you choose another mission as a family. So there, there, those are not random structures is what I'm saying, right? Uh, no, missions can vary. It could be, uh, you know, let's ascend as fast as possible, or let's explore the concept of love together, or let's explore the concept of creativity, for instance, right? So there's like a, a mission that unites a soul family. Um, and because by the virtue of them being born initially and, and cut from the same cloth, they tend to see the world, existence, however you want to call it, the universe, in very much the same way. So it's very easy for them to get aligned around the mission because their set of desires is, are very similar initially. Mm -hmm. Now, they each have their individual paths. They each obviously are a unique being. Uh, but they also choose to come together. And how they choose to come together is driven by their personal curiosity, their personal sense of desire, as well as their collective curiosity as a group and collective sense of desire. So in certain instances, a soul would incarnate alone all the time if they're trying to explore a particular feeling say they're trying to study loneliness right they might incarnate alone without any members of their soul family three billion times mm. like i've seen that sometimes you're trying to experience unity in low vibrational worlds which is really really hard so then you might take your full soul family for the ride and you might do that many many times over right as you're starting that so studying that aspect of of life so it really depends um it's kind of like up to the souls um and also depends as souls become um, more sophisticated right as they gain experience as they mature should we say hmm. um these things become even more intricate and even more complex because their experiences now start to shape them away from that original um similarity right mm -hmm. so originally they start out almost as like the same identical energy 
But then they all go through very different experiences. And although they're united by that original energy, as well as their mission, they all are going to be on very, very different paths. And depending on these paths, certain planets might be stimulating to some and not stimulating to others. Certain types of missions might be stimulating to some members of that family and not stimulating to others. And so it's really up to them um, which missions they go on together versus separately. And that's why every time a soul is going on a mission, right? First, it decides whether it needs companions, whether that would serve it. And, and then, you know, it would start recruiting people from its immediate family. Now, do you remember how I told you that um, um, these soul families are kind of like a disco ball with like these individual cells that are forming, like clusters that, uh, that form families? Mm-hmm. You're not just related to your own cluster. You're related to all the clusters that are bordering your cluster. So you can think of it as um, like you're a country and there are neighboring countries around you. Mm. Um, and so if sometimes you would actually choose somebody from a neighboring cluster for your mission. And it sometimes happens so that you, you know, as a soul would incarnate more frequently with a member of a neighboring cluster as opposed to your own. It doesn't really mean that you're less close to your own cluster. It's just like your particular set of missions might be uh, better served by some, like your extended family, we can call that. Mm. And generally, there are at least five uh, other soul groups that you're incredibly closely tied with. That's so interesting. Yeah. Your neighbors, basically. Yeah, kind of. Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you hang out with them instead of your family sometimes yes exactly (laughs) that's so cool and uh for a person uh who isn't is incarnated on this planet by having um soul family members incarnated and having nobody does it feel very different like, as a soul, do you feel presence of the family here or not? When they're incarnated? Yes. But you haven't met them? Yes. Not necessarily? Not necessarily. Yes, not necessarily. Um, so you might be incarnated um, with, you know, your a member of your soul family on the same planet might not even know it. Ah. Right? Now, the one thing, though, that happens is you would always... So, and, and that's, that's how they sometimes describe like meeting your twin flame or you're meeting your, um, um, soul sister or soul brother. There is that recognition. So if you do, do end up meeting somebody from your soul family in this incarnation there, it, it always feels very different than just meeting somebody for the first time. Um, souls generally might feel, um, a whole slew of sensations so it could be bodily sensations where like all of a sudden like you feel this body heat or you feel like you start um you start shivering out of nowhere when you get introduced to someone so like it's a bodily recognition it's like your light bodies are recognizing familiar energy um you might look into their eyes and really feel like you've known them for ever and it's actually you seeing them for the first time And then as you start talking to them, it's like this deep sense of connection and just understanding, mutual understanding. Like they know where you're coming from and you know where you're coming from. It's like perfect um, communication, almost like divine type of communication where sometimes they would know what you're thinking without you having to say anything. Like you're on the same page, right? And, And those types of connections feel like really strong. Um, and you can't ignore that. Like it would feel very, very different to you with this person if they're part of your soul family and especially your twin flame that it feels just like meeting any other human, mm-hmm. meeting any other being. And the reason being is not only, you know, if they're part of your family, chances are that you've incarnated with them so many times. Um, also, if they're part of your family, chances are you've planned a mission together. So it's a remembrance of that mission as well. But it's also just your soul memory of all the things and all the times that you've spent in all these other worlds together and outside of the incarnated state as well. Mm. 
So that's why it feels just so familiar and uh, you can't ignore that if you tried. Hmm. Got it. And uh, do you do you have any support from your family, from your soul family in 3D? Yes. And how 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 do they support you? So it it depends, right? Um, the reason that it depends is because at any point in time you have a lot of different helpers and a lot of different guides. Uh-huh. You know, your average human might have at least 20 beings at any given point in time watching over them. Um, and an average, I think, is about 80 beings on this planet per each incarnated human. Oh, wow. Right? Now, uh, the the types of beings really vary, right? Some of them, you know, your twin flame, let's, um, let's kind of like start uh, from the inner circle. Your twin flame is so connected to you at any point in time that even if they didn't want to follow you around, so to say, mm-hmm. it's, they're still stuck with you in the most endearing way possible. So it's like there is a thread that runs and that like a cord that connects the two, um, both of your souls, right? Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, this incarnation is just representative of a portion of your soul energy, Uh, right now the fullness of your higher self and still even that little portion of your energy is going to be connected to um, the higher self of your twin flame Mm -hmm. because every aspect of you every projection is always connected to that which is your um, closest uh, companion Um, you're also connected to each of the members you have cords to each of the members of your soul family so whether you do want that or not, more uh, you know, more often than not, they would participate and help you in this incarnation. Now, outside of that, you have guides. Um, guides could be from neighboring soul families. They could also be the next level over of a soul that it could be considered a teacher soul, right? So you would you would have kind of like these observers or mentors, if you will, at soul level. Um, and they, they're more evolved than you, which means that they can hold more light than your soul, right? Mm-hmm. They've been through the experiences that you're still having. So those souls um, tend to watch over you. You definitely always have peers watching over you as well. Um, and then you might actually have some souls that are younger that are watching over you. And they're learning from you undergoing this experience, right? Um kind of like a kindergartner watching somebody who is in you know middle school mm-hmm. uh, which is not to say that a kindergartner can be helpful because they're still looking you know into a 3d world from a higher frequency right so as souls they might not be as evolved as you but they still have a better perspective than you do and so they can still be quite helpful to you um, and then on top of that there are guides that are specific to the world that you're incarnated in So in this particular instance, right, there are guides that are watching over the Milky Way galaxy. There are guides that are watching over the solar system. There are guides that are watching over Gaia. And so you would tend to have a little bit of all of them, right? A certain number of all of them helping you at any point in time. And yes, that does include your soul family as well, of course, as I mentioned earlier. It's a lot of help. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Some sometimes sometimes doesn't feel that way though. <laughs> uh, and um, is there a benefit of uh, building a connection with your soul family, uh, like consciously? Uh, yes. What of course. would be the benefit? So I find that the people uh, who experience the highest levels of loneliness on this planet are the people that are missing two sets of connections consciously or even subconsciously sometimes. They're just there are those connections that are not as pronounced. Connection number one is their connection to soul energy. Uh, sorry, source energy is what I, uh, I meant to say. Source energy. Mm-hmm. And the second one is connection to their soul family, including their uh, twin flame including their um, twin companion soul. So although you always have connections to both the source energy, like a cord, 
as well as your soul family, some beings are in such a either dark place or such a place of like loss of who they are that they are not cognizant of, of these connections and they actively deny that they're connected to these other helper energies enough so that they experience an incredible level of loneliness especially in lower dimensional planes, right? Where there is no physical proof that these connections exist or you cannot like see energy with your naked eye, right? So a benefit of connecting to your soul family is, I mean, th there are many, but one of the, you know, one of the easier ones is the feeling of like never being alone. Mm. Like of somebody having your back all the time, of of being fully connected and plugged into the fabric of the universe. Um, it's it's just like feeling and a knowing that um, you're not you're not alone. Somebody's in it with you. Uh, it's that sense of hope, right? It's that um, also sometimes like the feeling of love, um, depending on you know a human, and depending on the challenge that they've taken on in a particular incarnation, love might be something that they are not able to experience. And I'm not just talking romantic love. I'm just talking love in general, right? So imagine that they have been, I don't know, they've had an abusive set of parents or they experienced abandonment issues, whether with a parent or like a loved one, doesn't really matter. Or say a loved one died and they, they, they feel like that sense of grief and sense of loss um, connecting to your soul family might help fill, fill up that void, might help, um, fill up your cup with like emanations of love because the number one frequency that connects all soul families is love frequency, right? That's kind of like the, the energetic glue that's holding them together in, in a cell organism. Mm -hmm. So connecting back into it could really help you, um, feel that. Now, do you remember I told you that um, each of the members of your soul family is on a different path because on a different path because they have their own sets of, sets of desires? Yep. Because that is the case, what ends up happening is each of your members of the soul family develops their own unique set of gifts and sets of, sets of skills, right? Because they go through individual experiences incarnating like a bazillion times doing certain things that another might not be doing. So connecting to your soul family enables you to borrow gifts and skills actually from your brothers and sisters. Um, because you're connected to each of them with a cord, kind of like an umbilical cord, um, what that implies is an energetic exchange back and forth, an energetic exchange of information, of frequencies, um, you know, downloads and uploads of um, streams of consciousness, all of the above. So it's actually really, really easy for you to get um, energetic help and support through a member of your soul family than any other soul or being. Hmm. Because you already are like there. It's like a well-traveled path that connects you. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh can I ask you to share a practice with us that would allow a person to build this connection? Yes, sure. Um, I was also thinking, though, just to add really quickly. Uh -huh. um, very often, very often, um, a member of your soul family would already be donating a particular energy frequency to you as a part of you incarnating with a particular mission, right? Because they know you so they know what you're up to at any given point in time they know what every aspect of you is up to so they might freely choose to donate a particular energy like say one of them has been practicing i don't know maybe they're a good communicator um and they're really good at speaking in front of large groups of people and say that, that is a skill that's really needed for you in this particular incarnation um they might have already donated that to you right hmm. now whether you've already unwrapped that gift or not depends 
right? It depends on your level of awareness. It depends on how strong your connection is. It depends on a lot of other things, right? Your energy level being one. But um, just also know that you might already be tapping into some of the gifts from uh, from your soul family. Um, or, you know, if you require help, you might call in new things that haven't been planned prior um, as additional gifts. Makes sense. Yeah, but you've asked for um, a practice or a meditation that would enable you to um, get like an energetic help from... Yes, from the soul family. Sure. So I would say to not overcomplicate things, right? Because, you know, we're working with a different set of people and each of you is going to have your own set of um, like your own level of awareness and, and, and some of you might just be getting started. Other Others might be a little bit more advanced, right? What I want to give is something that's a little bit more of a simplified exercise. So any type of work with your guides, any type of work with your helpers needs to start with an ask. That's very, very important. Um, in the same way that the question if you ask a question, the answer must be presented to you in the universe. It's a universal law because the question and the answer are two ends of the same coin. They always travel in pairs. The ask and the answer are kind of the same, right? If you have a particular intention or an ask or struggling with something, um, you need to kind of like let your guides and your helpers know. Uh, the reason this is important is because one of the main laws of this universe is free will, right? So you might be struggling with something and that is at any point in time very apparent to all of your guides and your soul family. However, unless you ask for assistance with something specific, they're not, um, they're not able to come through with specific tools and specific help right um so very often um they're not even going to be able to be helpful to you unless you ask uh, or would actively choose not to right so in this practice you need to get really specific about what you need assistance with what you're struggling with or what you want to get out of you know in the ideal world what would you like to borrow from one of your soul family members. Now, chances are, right, that at least one of them has what you need or some version of it or more of that thing that you need. Say it's kindness. And not that it's a good example because I don't see too many actually people on this plane asking for more kindness, but, you know, it's an example. Um, say that your intention is you want to be kinder to the people around you and it's a real real struggle for you so you want to in a meditative state obviously close your eyes sit down comfortably start breathing make sure to quiet down the internal dialogue as much as possible what you want to focus on is you want to imagine that there is a cord that connects your um, crown chakra, right, right, the very, very tip of your head. Imagine that there is a cord of light that is stretching up, up, up into the sky, or just is, you know, is is connecting you to a being that is a higher dimensional being. So that being is going to be located above your head, right, and. So because your intention is to get more kindness, you want to ask the universe to connect you through this cord to a member of your family that is able to help you with your request, that is able to give you that which you seek, right? So just put an intention out there and ask the universe to connect you with a member of your soul family that can help you and donate more kindness to you which is a green energy, right? Green heart energy. Um, and it's like this act of what I just described to you of intentional connection is kind of like picking up a cell phone and dialing 
a number of a friend, mm -hmm. a particular friend. That works in exactly the same way. You're like connecting you know, with an intention, right? Like you cannot just pick up the phone and without dialing a number, expect the universe to connect you to the right person, right? You still have to dial the number on your cell phone. Yeah. Or go to your contacts and, you know, access it through there. In the same way here, right? Like you want to like, um, like that intention of getting somebody who has the capacity to share kindness is like dialing a cell phone number, which is a phone number. So you, you know, once that intention is set, um, you want to imagine that cord of light connecting you to a being. That being, you don't have to, like, they can come to you in any way, shape, or form, right? But very and generally speaking, you would connect to another body of light. You would just not even, you might not even be able to see the face of that being. You would just be able to see um, their light body. Um, it's kind of like, you know, like a humanoid body that just emanates a bunch of light, right? And it's like your crown center is connecting to their crown center. So basically... As soon as you get that, um, if you asked for kindness, you would see that as soon as that connection is established, like the other person almost like pick, picks up the phone on the other end of that line. And then because by the virtue of you connecting to them, they already know what your request was, you will see a particular frequency floating down from them to you, down that tube, down that path. In this particular case, the energy of kindness is green. But don't get too stuck up on colors. Whatever color comes through is the right color, right? So you would see through that tube, there is an energy that's descending and it's hitting your crown center. And then as it's hitting your crown center, your crown chakra, it starts descending through your body, your light body. And it's settling somewhere in your body where um, that energy is much needed, right? And again, don't be judgmental. Like if you thought it should be in the heart center, but it's centering in your belly, that means it's the right place for that energy to anchor itself. So just let it anchor itself. Um, what could be interesting, right? Now, again, this is a little bit for advanced practitioners, right? But I also want to make sure that these people who are advanced practitioners are getting something out of this meditation as well. That's like above and beyond and according to their capabilities, right? Um, if you, um, um, if, if your vibrations permit, right, you would be able to communicate with this guide, uh, this, this member of the soul family of yours, you would be able to, um, maybe go into a safe space with them, right? Right through this meditation, as soon as you receive what you want, you may imagine, um, going into, um, a soul family space. So every soul family has a space that they share in, um, in the etheric realm. Um, it is very unique uh, to them, to what they like to do. It is a very protected place. So you may ask that guide of yours, that um, family member of yours, to take you to that safe space. It might be a fun exercise for you to walk around and examine what it looks like. You know, does it look like a dining room? Does it look like a garden? Does it look like, um, I don't know, um, a, like the sky with fluffy clouds and you guys just sit on clouds? Like, I, it, there's no right, right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. I've seen it every which way. And from that place, it's actually really interesting um, to start communicating with this particular uh, being, right? So you may ask um, him or her, what's their name? You may ask them what qualities they have, mm. um, what qualities you share. Like you would get to know them as if you were trying to get to know a friend or, you know, your human friend, right? Um, you may even ask them what incarnations you live together or, um, you know, if that communication is established, you may ask them what soul gifts they have already donated to this incarnation of yours. You may also ask them for advice. Um Every family member of yours is going to have opinions about everything about you, <laughs> about 
your particular incarnation, whether you're living up to your potential or not, whether they're happy with where it's going. Like, trust me, like your soul family is going to have more opinions that you could ever possibly wish for. So sometimes it's interesting to understand the perspective of that being on what's currently happening with you, right? Uh, Because because it could be a fun or an interesting perspective. Now, take everything with a grain of salt because uh, there is inherent bias in in that type of advice. This is not necessarily unbiased advice. Like anything that comes from guides, to be honest. Because guides, although higher vibrational beings, they're not without their agendas, right? Mm -hmm. So in the same way that, you know, you might take advice from a physical being here on Earth... And you sometimes know, okay, like they're advising you from their vantage point, from their perspective. Know that your soul family is going to also advise you from their perspective. And still, um, it's a valuable perspective for you because it's a perspective that comes from a place of a lot of love for you and a lot, a lot of intention for your personal evolution as well. But this could be a nice way to get to know somebody that is, um, you know, your your uh, soul sister or soul brother. Mm-hmm. I really like this practice. Uh, it seems like you can use it not to just connect with your family, but any guide that you have, right? Correct. Uh, correct. Another interesting exercise might be if you try to, like, um, you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted to get to know your whole soul family, mm-hmm. uh, what could be an interesting exercise for you would be to imagine, again, that safe space, right? Um, that place where your soul family goes to meet up. So there is a place in between your lives, between your incarnations, where it's kind of like the house for your soul family. Although it's not a, fa- a house generally, it's like a place, right? And so you want to imagine that place. And what you want to imagine is a round table. And around the table you should imagine um, your soul family seated as if it's like a dinner, uh, like a meal, right? Um, Now, depending on your level of awareness and um, just how advanced your skill set is, you might be able to see everything in really, really great detail or not. You you might just be able to see like some like quick emanations or just some um, energy flowing around. Like, wherever you are, it's fine, right? Don't freak out if you're not able to see as much. Um, If you're not able to see much, just feel into that energy of your family. Just feel into that that collective space because that space is going to be healing for you anyhow. Just, it's going to be healing. It's going to be nurturing. It's going to be helpful to you, whether you consciously see things and understand things or just subconsciously get like some, some upload right? So wherever you are is perfect. But for those that can see a little bit more and a little bit better, um, you want to see how many um, souls sit at the table. Now, of course, if, if you have a really large family of 500, it's going to be very hard for you to calculate. But you can always ask, like if you're not able to calculate every single person, count every single person around the table, you can always ask how many are seated at the table. And the first number that pops into your head is going to be the number of people in your soul family. Um, but what's also interesting in getting to know your collective vibrations is each of the persons sitting in the family is going to represent a particular frequency. And one of the ways to see that, uh, the frequency is actually in a color. So you would be, you yourself, your twin flame and everybody around that table, uh, each of your individual energies can be reduced to a color or a ray of light. Uh, and so depending on what color is yours, um, and then what colors are the rest of, of the people, the beings at the table, um, I think that could tell you a lot, right? And you, you have all kinds of different energies. You have greens, pinks, yellows, um, gold, silver. So it goes like above and beyond just what you could see in a rainbow, Mm-hmm. It's pretty much any color imaginable, including very high vibration uh, rays are part of that table. Um, you could learn a lot by even trying to understand these colors. Um, if you're confused about like what a particular color means, refer to the flames, the sacred flames. Um, 
episodes that we did um, early on in the podcast life, mm-hmm. because uh, those energies are um, like how I describe those rays is very correlated to to what these energies mean. Yeah. So if you're a particular ray, what does that mean? That means that you're probably serving um, those energies, but that means you're probably emanating them into into the outer universe, right? So that that probably means that you either deeply understand or deeply connected with with that energies. And what's also interesting, right? Your collective energies, because you're sitting in the round table, remember? Your collective energies are being collected into the very middle of that table, into the very center through rays, kind of like, um, and then like, it's almost like there's going to be your collective sun in the middle, and that collective sun is a sum total of all of your energies combined. And it also creates um, a beautiful, um, a vertical stream of light that's your collective anchoring light. So it can be very fascinating, very interesting for you to see what that light is for you collectively. Because that is going to represent who you are as a group of beings mm. and your mission as well. That's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Just, you didn't ask for it, but I thought it was cool, so I decided to give it no, to you. No, it's super cool. Yes, <laughs> you're always welcome. <laughs> Please share. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this amazing information with us today. And uh, now I'm going to end our session. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love. Maria and Sergei.